Before we get into the show today, I want to give a shout out to our patrons of the month of February. We got Robert Nakayama, aka Big Knock 007. We got Shane Kanto, aka The Wasteland Reviewer. And we have Audrey Hayes, aka Desi's One Diva. So shout out to our patrons for this, this month. If you would like to donate to our patrons, it's only a dollar a month. Link in the description to support us. You get many just good perks. It's just simple one dollar a month to help us with software and other equipment and just you know just help all small time creators because it's crazy out here. I want to thank all our patrons for the month. And if you're interested in donating to the Patreon, link in the description below. Thank you and enjoy the show. Yo, I hit the jewel, I got some goals. I sold a little weed, but I could never sell my soul. And when I'm in LA, you find me out in little soap. Come up, go with my ramen, I'ma need another bowl. Let's go. To quote a great philosopher, Could the virus kill the grimace? Nothing can kill the grimace. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the MK Productions Podcast. I'm your host, Mac. I am joined here, as usual, by my co-host, Kristen, aka She still powers through like a true professional and a true person. Say hi to the folks at home, Kristen. How you doing? Well, here's the thing. Hello, everybody. Here's the thing. Here is the thing. We have been planning this episode for a while now, but our mental health comes first. So we had to put this episode on the back burner for a while. Yeah. So after many delays, we are finally back. Hello. And uh, we are going to rock and roll with this year of 2022 to recap. All of 2021, because I have pretty much seen all the films I wanted to see from 2021 already. I'm still playing catch-up, but I I will say I'm the same thing, too. But, yeah. So, we're doing a top ten best movies podcast. Uh, to make it clear, too, we both already put out our list. But this is just for anybody who doesn't listen. Not Well, you are listening. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't follow us on our socials or... You may have missed the post or missed Mac's video. I already made a post about it. Uh, Mac made a video about it. But if you didn't see any of that, uh, we're going to talk about it now, maybe in a little bit more detail. But uh, I thought 2021, though, was a pretty solid year. It did make up from the uh, disaster year of 2020, you know, because I was thinking about it. I was going back through my list of 2020, and there was only, like, one film that I gave an A-plus to last year uh, for 2020. Otherwise, I gave a couple A pluses out this uh, for 2021, and that was better than I thought. Uh, yeah, well, considering that it wasn't like as bad as it was, it wasn't as like it wasn't as bad because there was like everyone knew kind of what to do, and movie theaters were more comfortable. So it's just nice to see a lot more movies. I think the mo- first movie I saw back in theaters in 20- the first movie I saw in theaters in 2021 had to be, I believe, Black Widow. No, it was Nobody. Uh, the first movie I saw back in theaters in 2021 was, um, I believe it was The Little Things. Oh, with uh, Denzel. And- yeah, that was right before I got the HBO Max subscription. And here's the other thing. I was thinking about it, too, when I was creating my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how we were like, oh, this is going to be a really bad idea for HBO Max? It was a yeah. solid idea. But most of the movies that they released weren't that great. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It so, was it, it, you know, it's like, okay, because I was saying to myself, okay, the little things weren't that great. Uh, Reminiscence wasn't that great. I avoided Mortal Kombat. I think the only really, really good ones out of, like, that time frame that, that the HBO Max released were, like, um, 
you know, Godzilla versus Kong was just solid. It was fine Judas, for me. Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and Black Messiah, and then the Suicide Squad, and then uh, Dune. I thought all those were, like, at least the really good ones. Otherwise, everything else that they released was just a disaster. Or, like, uh, the... the uh, Mixed bag reviews of Matrix Resurrections or whatever. Or Malignant. That Malignant, I was just laughing my butt off because I was just like, what the heck am I watching? What, James Wong, what did you do? <laughs> Everything. Everything. But I was like looking back and some of the unexpected movies that I was like hesitant about or like mildly excited about actually surprised me. So uh, I was very, I was actually. Happier than I thought this year for 2021. I'm still so, saying this year, like we're still in 2021. <laughs> so yeah, so, so apologize. How, um, so what we're gonna do is that we are going to be going like three at a time. So Chris and I are gonna be doing 10, 9, 8, and then so on and so on, and then we'll both get to our number one. So I think without further ado, we should probably start. So I will say ladies first, Kristen. What is your oh, ladies first. What is what is your number ten? Like I start off for ten. Okay. Um, I want to get out some honorable mentions. Um, I want to highlight Mass, Quiet Place Two, Luca, Pig, The Green Knight, The Last Duel, Tick Tick Boom, La- Nightmare Alley, Shiva Baby, and The Power of the Dog. I think th- those all made like my top tw- like twenty. Mm-hmm. But for the top ten films, I was looking at took a different view for me and I felt one thing that 2021 looked at uh, was mental health. So jumping in at number 10 is the Anthony Bourdain documentary. Oh yeah. uh, That was released over the summer of 2021. So uh, yeah. In the beginning, it was just Chris and Lydia shooting with him. They did that for several years and then brought in a whole team of people, many of them who stuck around to the end. This was a really powerful and a really effective documentary that really got into the uh, mind and understanding of who Anthony Bourdain was as a person. And Mm. as somebody who wasn't totally familiar with him, I got to know him more of when uh, the Times uh, Up movement was starting to come forward with everything. And he was speaking out uh, against, you know, not against, but for that movement and uh, he was very passionate about it. And this film looked at the whole beginnings and to where Anthony started to the end, uh, the unfortunate end of his career where he took his own life. And it talks about, like I said, mental health and the struggles that he did with fame and travel and what it take to put on his show. And he interviewed so many people, I think, uh, the most legendary episode when I was looking back and doing my research to write a review for it. The biggest interview he did was when he interviewed former President Barack Obama. I thought that was like the perfect episode for that. Um, but otherwise, it's a beautiful documentary. I love the people that they got to interview with um, for the documentary because everybody that really got to work with him said so many wonderful things about him. And he seemed like a person who struggled to get help. And like, even though there was so many people around him that were there to like support him and say, okay, it's okay to get help. You know, he just, you know, there's a different side to people. And 
I thought it was really effective with the storytelling. I really enjoyed it. This also comes from the uh, filmmaker who did uh, 20 Feet from Stardom. And I really enjoyed it. I thought the I can't highly recommend this movie enough. And if you want to get to know Anthony Bourdain as a person, this is a really, really a great story. Yeah, did you text? I remember you texted me saying you were you cried, and I I did cry. We both both watched this. We got to watch it like through a screener, and I was like, wow, this is actually great. Because I I always knew of him, but I never like watched it. I was more man versus food. Like watching something like this, yeah, it's like damn, like what the hell? There's no joke. Like holy. Yeah, it's a really stunning documentary, and like I said, it's um, it's an honest tribute to the uh, chef and culinary master he was and just a people pleaser and not so much of a people pleaser but he just loved people and he just uh really wanted to just be a great advocate for travel and food and you know and i didn't realize um it when I was like thinking about it and I was like, okay, this is a man who's also a family man. Cause the film also takes a look at his family side. And um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's heartbreaking to see. Cause I know he had a young daughter. He has a young daughter. It's just really sad to see like, you know, he's not here anymore. And it's like, what are we going to do without this like culinary, like genius that he was and, you know, and his idea to travel. So, but uh his legacy still lives on through the books that he sold and through the television series that you can watch on the, the Discovery Network and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, he made a certainly made a legend for himself. So uh, I really enjoyed that. So that is my number 10. Coming in at number nine is, I don't know if you have seen this movie yet, but I highly recommend you check this out. It is the Kenneth Branagh film, Belfast. Be good, son. If you can't be good, be, be careful. careful. You're with us or you're against us. Touch my family and I'll kill you. From acclaimed director Kenneth Branagh, Belfast is a five-star masterpiece. Yes. How could I leave Belfast? This is our home. When change is everywhere. The Irish were born for leaving. Otherwise, the rest of the world would have no pubs. Family is everything. What do you want? I want my family with me. I want you. Belfast, only in cinemas January 21st. Oh, is that that guy who directed Artemis Fowl? It is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, for this, I will tell you that. And I, I think said, this is his greatest movie to date. Really, even better than Othello. Yeah, mm. and even better than Cinderella and Cinderella. Cinderella sucks. I have a soft spot for Cinderella because I have a crush on Mitch Madden. So, uh, and I thought Lily James played a really good Cinderella, but. Uh, Going on from that, uh, he takes this film, and it's an autobiographical story. It really just presents a really, like, special way. And here's the interesting thing uh, for this film. Uh, Van Morrison uh, was one of the, uh, I think, the composers for this film, from what I remember. And I thought, what an interesting choice. (laughs) But I really like the score for this film, and let me, I want to say the, um, hold on, I gotta get water. Give me a. Well, while she gets water, I will say, I thought Belfast, when I heard the title of it, I'm thinking, like, it was something like In Brooks with Colin Farrell, but I was completely wrong. I haven't seen it yet, but 
I've heard that it's actually a very good film. It's actually one of the films that are like has a lot of is leading the award race this coming uh couple months. It is leading the uh, award race. So uh, it's set in the 1960s and okay. um, tells the story of a young boy comes from a working class family. His father goes out to work and they are in the middle of this war that's going on in the center of it. I won't go into great detail about it, but um, it's a family story and it's a coming of age story. I just told in black and white, there's a, it starts off in color. It's really shot beautifully. And then it all goes in black and white. It's a heartwarming story. And what really got to me was the storytelling of it and the uh, performances. And I think there's many, many like outstanding performances. And the one most shocking is um, Jamie Dornan's performance, who I was not expecting to pull off a fantastic performance. And he actually sings in the film. I really like the young star. His name is uh, Jude Hill. I know you mentioned Jude Law earlier. Uh, wrong Jude. <laughs> and Judy Dench is in this film. And um, I just really enjoyed the uh, heartwarming side to this. I really love the um, like classic feel setting. It's very intimate with the cinematography. And it's mostly a love letter to uh, Kenneth Branagh's time in his period where he was growing up and a time in uh, Belfast. So uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, beautiful film. Coming in at number eight is a film I saw later, not later, actually, I saw it in when it was released in theaters, I really was very excited to see this. As somebody who is a Bob Odenkirk fan, coming in at number eight is Nobody. Hey, I have an idea. How about I make that lasagna that you love tonight? You know, from scratch, like I used to. I used to work for some very dangerous people. They came after my family. They stole my kitty cat bracelet. And you don't do that. Give me the kitty cat bracelet! It's been a hell of a day. It's Nobody. In theaters only April 2nd. Rated R. Yeah. I adored this movie so much. It's the dark comedy and action film I love. Like, if you think, like, John Wick... And the unexpectedness of Bob Odenkirk to become this action hero is awesome. And it had the most uh, badass bus scene, fight scene I've ever seen. Forget, forget Shang-Chi. I love how this is shot, that bus fight scene. It's, it's better it's than Shang-Chi because it's realistic. If you pick a fight with someone, you get your ass kicked kick their ass even the like the performances are the performance from bob odenkirk is great As somebody who you know who watched the original breaking bad and really enjoyed bob odenkirk in the first place and uh who knows bob for most of his comedic performances this is something totally different for him and i really liked the fact of that and i like the fact that this was a unique kind of classic uh action film Mm -hmm. Because the director who took this on uh, did, uh, I thought he worked on Hardcore Henry, 
I think he, I believe it might be the same director. Because that's be... what I thought when I was like, I'm going, trying to go through my notes now when I was going through Hardcore Henry. And I thought he had worked on that. And uh, seeing what he did with that, and the, that film had mixed reviews. And yeah, he did. He did do Hardcore Henry. I knew it. Mm-hmm. That's he what I thought. Also, he was also the director, writer, producer, and he was Henry. Yeah, that's what I remember. From now that we're talking about it, yeah, I remember. Right, yeah, I even remember that writing in my review. And um, I really liked the uh, fact that Christopher uh, Lloyd just jumps in. You know, he's that. at like 80s, 80, he's between like 82, 83 years old at the moment. And uh, he just still kicks butt, you know, at the end. He's like great. And he plays Bob Oldenkirk's father. And I just love the two of them. And I'm excited what the story's going to do for a sequel because they are working on a sequel right now. So uh, they said a crossover with John Wick and Atomic Blonde is possible. I would. Uh, enjoy that and i love the theater going experience and also side note for those who don't know this was actually a great director to bring on for this project because the director worked on the weekend music video false alarm which is probably like my favorite music video the weekend has ever done charisma and for this film and i really enjoyed it it's it's a film i can highly i've seen it twice now already and I just really enjoyed everything through it, from the cinematography, the performances, the direction it took. And for a film that's like 90 minutes, it's really paced outstanding. Like, like it does not slow down. It really keeps the juices going. Yeah. As you hooked from beginning to end. So I was very pleased with this film. I think it's one of the better action films that we got out of uh, 2021, I will say. Out of like all the uh, concepts that were like based on comic books or not just a you know, based on books, this was original. This was a very original idea, and I loved it, and I was really engrossed with it all the way through. So, at number ten for my list, I don't have a written down list. So I have to look at my video, but my number ten is probably the worst number ten I've ever put on a list. But it's the Eternals. Listen, it has begun. Time. Marvel Studios Eternals, ready PG-13. Get tickets now. Why not? Um, here's the thing. This movie, Eternals was so close to being on the worst list. That and Black Widow, I actually, originally, I put Black Widow on this position for the list, but I think after, like, revisiting both movies, I came to the the conclusion that at least with internals i like what it has it's set up for the mcu while black widow felt a little too late and awkward with the current lawsuit that lawsuit it would have been too it takes it more back in time than going it forward yeah so because even though it introduces like yolana who is like the new black widow um it doesn't really do much in the end yeah no it's it was dumb but um eternals it was although it was boring it was i just like you know i like 
the fact that it sets up i i think i like eternals more for what it sets up i don't care about the movie nor the characters nor the africa scene the only stuff i like is that they introduce more of the cosmic side of the mcu so it's okay. possible that silver surfer and galactus can come and we finally got to get sort of a sneak peek of blade when after shot spoiler um after credit scene with kit harrington uh, his character comes from like a long way of the Black Knight. It's like a really obscure Marvel character. But then when he opens the the chest and he's about to touch the sword, you hear a voice that says, "Are you sure you're ready for that, Mister Whatever?" And I, as soon as I heard a voice, like, oh, "That's rehearsal, Ali. That's Blade, baby. Yeah." Okay, you had that scene. I have arrows. So we were Listen, both. No happy. one gives a shit about Harry Styles. <laughs> I do, I do. I no one wants to see Harry. No one wants to see Harry Styles as speaking Thanos. Is, no one wants to see. No, wait. Here's the thing. No, here, no, no. Here's the thing. Thanos is dead. So why is he like? I'm here. What's up? What's going on? Like your brother's dead. Where were you when Thanos was trying to kill everyone? Well, where was the Eternals? <laughs> No, remember they explained in the movie, they said, we're not allowed to, we, we don't inter- interfere. I'm like, what? It's like, so it's like e- eternally useless stuff they are. They kind of are. Eternally they're useless, so why are yeah. they here? And like, I don't know. But I did like, shockingly enough, Angelina Jolie was probably the best person in this movie that I like, because I kind of like her. Honestly, I just, I don't even, I, the more I think about it, I was like, okay. And of all the performances that I enjoyed the most, I think Angelina is is the one I really stand out the most. Because she played old lady yells at cloud phase, and I thought that was cool. Um, Then um, the main girl, I forgot, what's her name? Gemma, is it Gemma Chan? Gemma Chan. Yeah, I I liked her, even though she was kind of flat. And like I said, this movie was really banking on, hey, we have a oscar-winning director but she's only this is like her second or third movie and i don't think she was ready to do a um big budget movie like this but this is obviously a love letter too for jack kirby because this is one of his big comics that he wrote so i guess this is like kind of like dedication to him and i don't know it was just it was good for what it set up i like the designs of the celestials and how like menacing they looked but otherwise this is kind of like a forgettable top number 10 for me yeah it I did not include this on any of my my uh, top tens or like it's more of the more uh, like all right it's what I expected. <laughs> Same like I know everyone said this looks boring so everyone went to see Spider. Did you see uh your movie sucks review of it? I thought that was great. Yeah, that was better than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked his review of that. So. Uh, What's your number nine for the audience? This this one might actually shock shock you. Did you watch my top ten video or no? I did see it, but I forgot what your number nine is. I remember what your number one is, but I and I remember you including Eternals. I know there's a number. You also included another movie. I'm gonna mention. Number nine. Number nine is Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Why? <laughs> you know, as I I was writing the script for the video at work, and I showed it to my friends, like, yeah, look at number nine. He's like, why? I said, I, you know, here's the thing. Although I, this spoiler, uh, the Snyder Cut is on the list. It wasn't originally going to make the list because I think that movie's a bit overrated. 
But it was okay. still fun. So speaking of which, you have not one but two Zack Snyder films. <laughs> yes, and I I will explain that later. With but Army of the Dead. Here's the thing. I don't think Zack Snyder. I think he may be overhyped. Like the man knows how to do cinematography. I think he's a, a tremendous cinematographer. But like his stories and some of the pacing issues, they suck. But when he gets to do what he wants, just a simple action movie, just just dumb and fun. I, you get stuff like Army of the Dead. He went back to his roots because, his, if you remember, his directorial debut was the remake of Dawn of the Dead, and I love that movie. That had Bing Rhames with Kai Pfeiffer, uh, freaking a lot of all stars in that movie. I love, I love Dawn of the Dead, and he did Three Hundred, and he kind of lost his way around Sucker Punch because Sucker Punch sucks. But, Sucker um, Punch is a disaster. Yeah, you know those people that like that movie. And I don't know why it's ill. It has but, a following to it, and I don't understand. I think it's because of the Vanessa Hudgens train and yeah, yeah. other people. Like, um, but yeah, Army of Dead was like, like you know, as many of people know that I am a gamer. I play video, the video games. This is the closest thing we're gonna get to a Dead Rising two movie or Dead Rising at all in the movie. Are you familiar with Dead Rising, Kristen? No. Okay, so Dead Rising is pretty much just going to dead. There's a bunch of survivors trapped in the mall. That's that's all I can describe it. But in Dead Rising 2, you play in uh, Fortune City, which is just a remade Las Vegas after the initial zombie outbreak. And this is kind of like the basis of it, but instead of like a robbery, you're just trying to get zombies for your daughter to keep her from turning into a zombie. But there was a subplot in the game about a robbery, and Army that liked it. And I just like, I like Batista in this. This is like, this is when I knew, like, yo, freaking Batista is an awesome actor like no matter what he's in he gives 110 percent. i thought there was a guy gonna be a way for them to do like a prequel or something like that that's gonna they're gonna do with him i don't know i guess a prequel will be army of the thieves because he him and that girl showed up at the end they're like hey you want to join the team for this ice the thing was i thought they were gonna do something with like a comic book or i was reading like they're gonna make the series like an animated series i don't know is this, gonna is this an, they're gonna make an well the plan is they're gonna do a sequel and an animated prequel to this movie. All right. Well, we'll, we'll definitely review the sequel. That's for sure. But uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, this is originally I reviewed supposed- it once. I liked it. It was fun. It was just dumb fun. And I think I appreciate that a lot. I don't know. Something with zombie movies. Like, you honestly, the, if you are that brand of stupid to screw up a zombie movie, then you don't deserve it. The zombie movie. I feel like if you're going to talk about a dumb zombie movie, you're going to want to look up the Boy Scout Bodies. zombie movie. What's that? Oh, that movie? one? Um, yeah. Scout's Guide. Scout's, Scout's Guide to Apocalypse. Surviving Zombie, whatever. Scout's Guide to Surviving a Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah, something like that. It was... You like that one? No. Very, very subjective when it comes to my... Uh, and very particular. Not so much subjective. Very particular how I like my zombie movies. Okay, freaking zombie connoisseur. But yeah, yeah Army Army of the Dead is just fun, dumb. That's why I loved it. Um, but number eight, funny enough, it is the Snyder Cut of Justice League. I didn't know. Oh shit. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I knew that was gonna come in at some point. But uh yeah, so the Snyder Cut, if you don't know the history, let me give you a quick briefing. 2017 Justice League happened. It was gonna be Zack Snyder's movie doing that, like the okay, like the whole big team up movie. Fortunately, his daughter passed away, so he had to leave production. They gave it to Joss Whedon. We got the shit show that was a 2017 movie. Then years later, and then for like the last four years, 
2017 2020 the fans were like release the snyder cut because it's something you believe in. i thought it was dumb and even some of the actors were coming in like yo release the snyder cut and warner brothers um i get my thing is i think they released it they wanted to help hbo max his numbers up so it's like yeah here's the snyder cut so they brought zach back in he finished his cut and uh we got this four hour long movie and it was okay question uh, did you break it up? I don't remember if we talked about this. If you broke it, did you break it up into parts? Or what? did you watch it all in one sitting? I had to do two hours one day, and I waited next till the next week and finish it all. Because I was like, I'm not staying in four hours long. Gotcha. It should have been released as, like, a t- the series. Like, it's broken into four parts, not four straight hours of that. And, like, honestly, my thing, I liked it because it was very... It was cool to see a director have his vision fulfilled when something, you know, tragic happens. He can... Kind of like a love letter, especially that trailer Hallelujah when it was like some people said it was like a tribute to his daughter who passed yeah. away. So, but with the movie itself, like it was, I liked it. And of course, my favorite parts in it were definitely near the ending with the nightmare sequences because I mm-hmm. was a, I liked that one more. And it, that's when the joke was like, we learned society. And um, it managed to redeem a lot of characters, redeem Cyborg, redeem Flash, redeemed um, Batman and Superman. Literally, um, it kind of made. But my thing is, is that I do you. Here's my question for you, Kristen. Right, help me at answer a philosophical question. Okay, what am I doing? <laughs> Just answering the question. I know, uh, but what am uh, I answering about? Okay, what philosophical? So, if this version of Justice League, like, say, if nothing happened, like in 2017, like Zack Snyder's personal life, and he was able to finish it, and we got this version of the movie instead of the 2017 movie, do you think it would have been as loved as it was? back then than it is now I think if they released it then I think things would be, have been different for the DC universe well you gotta think about it the only people were like like it's better than 2017 version like well what if the 2017 version was this version then we wouldn't have this issue then <laughs> we wouldn't have this uh, discussion then we wouldn't have had you know the idea of interference where studios come in and just be like hey we need this done we need this done and you know we just wouldn't have as many issues i feel like where a lot of uh, studios will come in and they'll just you know or you know the big execs of the studio will come in and just be like we need this 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 and all done certain ways you know it's good question about yeah so that's a question for the comments do you think if the snyder cut came out in 2017 that people would have loved it as they do now comparing it to the 2017 movie or were they have not liked it as much? Cause I don't know. I think it it's is. like thinking back at it. Um, I don't know if they would have actually loved it as much though, because I feel like given how Zack Snyder is as a director, um, it's either like he's either loved or hated. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's, he's inconsistent. Like he'll drop a good movie. And then it's like, what the hell is this? What is this, what is this sucker punch shit? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, your turn, lady. Why'd I say it like that? Yeah, your turn. Me lady. <laughs> what's your, I feel what's like your... you need to tip the hat to me. Uh, what's your seven, what's your seven, six, and five? My number seven is a film. It's a little film that Apple paid a lot of money for when it had its premiere back at Sundance. It's called Coda. You will be required to have a hearing individual on board at all times. I can't stay with you for the rest of my life. I 
never done anything without my family before. This was a big, big film that uh, was very beloved at Sundance in 2021. It was directed by Cena Heater. I don't know if I'm saying that properly, mm-hmm. so excuse me. Stars Amelia Jones, Marley Matten, Tony Koster, and I don't even know if I'm saying that, so again, properly, I'm so sorry. And then Daniel Durant. And out of all the three, you know, not three, four actors I just mentioned, Amelia Jones is the one who is the speaking member out of the family because uh, she, everybody in the family is deaf and they all speak sign language. It's a beautiful film. It's a child who is works in the fishing business and the business girls get uh, threatened. And mm-hmm. then uh, she also wants to go to college. Ruby does not want to stay in her hometown and abandon her parents. She wants to go pursue her dream and, her love for music so um, it's yes. i do have one question before you go does this film do a good job of portraying the deaf community yes just, because yeah. all the people who uh the three family members in the film are speaking sign language they are deaf they are deaf uh actors who speak sign language and uh it's a beautiful film and okay that's that's it's a, i'm just Great family story. No, go ahead. Oh, I'm just scared that they're gonna do like the silence where like they're not even deaf, they're just BSing their way to being deaf. Remember no, Marley Matten actually won an Oscar uh, a couple of years ago. Well, a long time ago for uh, you know, I forgot what the performance was. I don't even remember, but I remember her winning an Oscar for her performance. I wanna relook it up though. It that, was good. In 1987, uh, for the her role in Children of a Lesser God, I remember her also being on Dancing with the Stars. That's how I oh. got to know her. <laughs> of course. Was. But no, it's a beautiful film. I love the script and the direction it told. I cried when uh, there's a particular scene that happens in the film, and I can tell you exactly what happens, but it would be a spoiler. But I cried when she, this the girl, um, the character played by Amelia Jones, she goes in, she goes in for, I will say, an audition. And from that point on, when she goes for her audition, to the very end of the movie, I was crying. It, it's a really sweet film, and it's an emotional ride. And it's a coming-of-age story, and I thought it was really effective, and especially uh, set for a hometown story. And do you know who shows up in this movie? Who actually also surprised me was uh, Eugenio Berditas, who mm-hmm. was in um, that remake for Overboard mm-hmm. with Olivia Wilde. Not Olivia Wilde. Oh, my God. Uh, Anna, uh, Anna Ferris. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And he was also in that Dora movie. The Dora oh, yeah. remake. He was like the explorer person who takes yeah, Dora. Yeah. yeah. And then he was in that film Instructions on Included that was like almost released like 10 years ago. So yeah, there he was surprised me with his performance and uh, great all around. I really enjoyed it. Also, shout out to this film being uh, filmed in uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts. Yeah. But what's your number um, six? Coming in at number six is a film that wasn't so much surprising that was going to be on a lot of top 10 lists and because of the director behind the film 
Um, it was pushed back. It was released on the HBO Max and also in theaters at the same time. And it's a film called Dune. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Pain. You need to face your fears. Dune, rated PG-13, now playing. Yeah, I still You still to... haven't watched Dune I'm, yet? I'm trying to read the book. <laughs> oh, you're reading it. the book. That's actually a very smart idea. There is, um, I was fortunate enough, I got my boyfriend the book for his birthday. He read it in time before the movie of the release. So, uh, thank goodness, because otherwise I would have been very, very lost. You know what's but funny? I got the book. I, I was book so book. into this movie. <laughs> This movie is going to be broken up, I like I said, into two parts. So this is part one, and uh, part two will come out in 2023. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was a big film that was affected with the Warner Brothers agreement with HBO Max, since this was also released the same day. Uh, Jenny just really strictly wanted this film in theaters, but it made up for what it lost, because people did go out to the theaters to see it. I was one of yeah, them. Yeah, to say, it did good in the box office, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it made up for uh, domestically and, you know, financially, you know, it made up for what it was worth. But it's got great cast all around from Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, um, and Charlotte Ramping, and Jason Momoa. And everybody in this film gives a fantastic performance. It's unexpected. There's, like, a lot of unexpected moments that happen in this film, which I was not expecting. Many deaths happen. It's better than the uh, David Lynch 1984 film. Oh, I will say that it does look better. I I watched that David Lynch film uh, recently, and it it is really bad. Yeah, it's it's so it's like given how we advanced far in technology, it this it it's technically a better film from the visuals, from the sound design, to the um the direction that he took and it's basically what he wanted if you love what he did with blade runner 2049 yeah it's like what he like this was just the beginning of what he could do with his sci-fi elements i think like if you loved how grandiose the um and how beautiful blade runner 2049 was it's pretty much the same thing here how beautifully it's shot i really love the cinematography the hans zimmer score is outstanding so uh I thought they did a great job with the screenplay. It's it's written by John Spratz and uh, Eric Roth. It, and it's a very hard film for people to tell it is because the book is so gravely and detailed. And I understand why they broke it up in two parts. Because part two, from what I know, and after having many discussions with my boyfriend, uh, it's going <laughs> to get insane. Uh-oh. In the best way possible, I think. Actually, uh, speaking of Denis Villeneuve, I actually watched Blade Runner 2049 for the first time. Really? What did yeah, you think? I, I liked it because someone's like, I watched a video that said Blade Runner is like a good, 2049 is a good breakup movie. I didn't get what they meant by that, but I watched it. I was like, I, I agree. It's a, it's probably, I would take, however, I would take 2040 over Blade Runner 2049 over uh, Dune. I have. Yeah, I was I was gonna I was gonna ask you since you are a big Denis Valnuve Denis Valnuve stan. I know you freaking love this man. Yes, anyway. you know that I love um, him. My friend uh, Jay Ridzinman, aka Jason Riddick, when he reviewed Dune, he said that this was he'd still take Blade Runner. Is that true? Was like this 
it wasn't a, was it a weak film or was it just did not live up to like that be better than Blade Runner? Did he set himself a too high bar to set? With I think he, if anything like that, he might have set up the bar too high. I think because given the cast that's involved, and I should say this, I'm not a huge Timothy Chalamet fan. I don't think he's that great of an actor just yet. I know I think people like him because he's quirky, and I, I just don't really think he's a very trend. He doesn't really like. He's not there yet. Exactly. He's not like someone I could see like how Tom Holland is or like many of the younger stars who are between our ages at the moment. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's very hard. And I would have like seen maybe somebody like a Will Poulter maybe take on a role like this. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, um, I have my thoughts about, uh, my character thoughts on how uh, Paul is as a character, but that would be uh, major spoilers, and I don't want to talk about that. I heard he's an asshole. <laughs> Everyone just, else in this film I is just, so great. Just the character of Paul, I'm just like. No, it's funny because I watched. I was reading stuff, and I was like, it sounds like he's an asshole. Even in the oh, book, geez. like the Paul beginning. Paul is Paul. I will say that Paul is Paul, and I'm just gonna say, all right. Because even in the beginning okay. of the book, the beginning of the book I'm reading, I'm like, you seem like kind of a dick. He's just, just a little. He's just something else. <laughs> I can't wait and to I'm watch just... it now. Yeah, you gotta watch it. It's 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 a beautiful film with all the other performances besides Timothy's in it. It all makes up for the great performances, you know, that you get from, you know, like Don't Rebecca Wilson and especially Oscar Isaac. And I actually do really like uh Dave Batista in this. He plays I'm like a you. He plays like a bad guy in this, and I was very impressed with his work. And also, Jason Momoa kills it too. I oh really liked his character a lot. He like, there's this great like fight scene that happens in the film with Jason Momoa. Like he brings out his like Aquaman fights techniques. You can see it mm-hmm. to it, and he does a really great job. And then I should say this: Zendaya is not in the movie that much. Oh, okay, they just were like, she hey, shows, here's a big name. She shows up. She's going to play a much larger role in the second film. Okay, that that would make sense. I don't okay. know her character, but it would probably be. I didn't realize that the book was written in 1965, so this is a very old source material to bring into the modern age. Like, yeah, it's and uh, the original series is told over, like, six books. There's other stories that go along with it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's, uh, I don't know how many... Films are going to really turn in this into, but uh, given how successful it was, I'm not surprised if they can really stretch this out and make it like 10 films. <laughs> Don't worry, Timothy's going to be Willy Wonka, so he'll make it up for you. Oh, <laughs> I'm not ready for that. When is that kind of film coming out again? Next that- year. Next year? I, I, I'm not ready for that. Yeah, me neither. Um, so I'm was nervous. that your number seven or six? That was my number six. My number five is another documentary. Um, Based on the hip pop star recent, uh, is it Britney Spears? No, a recent Golden Globe winner, Billie Eilish. The world's a little blurry. Uh, You haven't seen this movie yet, man. I don't care about Billie Eilish. I will say, like, I just don't get. I I really don't get the appeal. I know that summer music, I I mess with, but like overall, I'm just like, man, like. I really like how this film really takes a really great um, look on uh, Billy's career. Because I was, like, thinking about it between, I want to say, the last year of 2020 and 
2021, we there was a lot of music documentaries that were released between the Taylor Swift documentary to Shawn Mendes, Black Pink, the Britney Spears, and uh, the Justin Bieber uh, concert one, uh, Mary J. Blige. There's been a whole lot over the last two years. Like there has been an increase for them wanting. I guess to give fans a behind the scenes look of what they do behind their music and whether that be, might be a show or a tour or an album. And it's really interesting because, you know, we music is such a profound aspect in many of our lives. And um, Billy Eilish is a star and just a teen superstar who just like skyrocketed into fame and just got really lucky. Yeah. That's, I, that's the part I don't get. <laughs> she was just liked by many. And I loved uh, what R.J. Cutler did with this film. Um, he directed also a re- really great documentary um, called Belushi, which is also on Showtime. Jim Belushi? Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, John Belushi. So John, or was, like the... uh, well, I confused those two. So, uh, John Belushi? I, I always get, I is say. It John, uh, no, it's Jim and then there's John Belushi. I'm trying to figure out. I want to make sure I get the right Belushi right. John Belushi. What Jim is the Belushi? Belushi yeah. Jim Belushi is still alive. He was an underdog. He was an underdog. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to Billy Eilish. Oh, yeah, Billy Eilish. So, yeah, what makes this documentary, like, unique? Uh, again, I'm a person who's, like, I think I was, like, I'm actually, like, even as I'm talking this out with you, I was really sucked in with a lot of these coming-of-age stories this past year, and I love someone seeing them grow and become an adult and learn a life lesson. And this is a film I was very invested all the way through from beginning to end because it looks at the stage when she looked, she released at uh, Ocean Eyes, which is like her first major single, to all the way up to winning her uh, Grammy for uh, When We're Sleeping, Where Do We Go? The, that album, I can't even say it off the top of my brain. Yeah, where we, When We Sleep, Where Do We Go? That's the way I'm saying it. Okay. And, again, she's just trying to navigate the world of fame and what it means to be a human and the world of fame and pop culture. And she comes from a very supportive and happy family. And I yeah, her family seems like... Is there a brother musician, too? Yeah, her, she's got a very supportive brother where they work together. And they're basically the songwriting team, especially Phineas. He's worked on many, many projects over the last say year and stuff so uh uh he's worked with a lot of people and even billy too she worked on the uh james bond jennifer daniel craig final song uh no time to die which uh like i said she recently won for for a golden globe and uh she just shows how she's just a normal kid you know there's a great scene where you know she gets to meet her idol which is justin bieber and then there's a really great moment where she gets to meet orlando bloom Oh my gosh. And she had no idea who he was. <laughs> God, it makes you feel old. Like she was like so innocent with the interaction. And then she was like, okay, yeah. Like it was like cool to meet you. Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden she her brother talks to her and she's like, Oh yeah, do you know who that is? He's like, That's that's Orlando Bloom. And she's like, Oh my God. So she goes like up to him and she's like, Yeah, I'm sorry. Realize <laughs> who you were. And he calls her and stuff like that. It's like a, it's like she's grown to have many f- famous friends over the last, you know, time. But it just shows she's just still a normal kid down to earth who just suffers with a lot of anxiety and depression. Which, you know, it looks at the modern day uh, 
Gen Z kids who are growing up in this day and age. But it does have a really extensive wrong time of two hours and 20 minutes, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And also, this film was also shown in IMAX for a really short time, and I wish I got to see it in IMAX because the cinematography is outstanding, especially from the concert footage that you get to see. It won't be Justin Bieber's. Never uh, say never. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't think of it yet. He yeah. also released a documentary last year that I saw, too. And it was oh, called, yeah. I think it was One World, I think it was called. And it was just like a music thing, concert experience. The Hand Montana one? Or no, no, last one I saw in theaters was the Michael Jackson's This Is It. But I actually liked that one. Um, I'm trying to think of the last music documentary I saw. The last music documentary I saw in theaters was, not for a narrative standpoint, but... Uh, was it and- the Jonas Brothers? No, because I didn't get to see those. I I didn't get to see the Jonas Brothers film, but in the theaters, the other ones were released on like Prime or uh, uh, they released the Family Jonas special on Netflix. But uh, it might have had it might it was the Glee concert Ew. film. Ew, that's <laughs> when worse. I had a Glee phase. Oh God! Oh, All right, let's go on to your number seven. All right, so number seven. Um, this movie proves to me that IGN are the biggest hacks of all time because that only did they. We talked about this last year in our Captain Bed movie with, I think, Rob was on. Do you know how many times we talk about how we both IGN don't stuff? like IGN? Yeah, because IGN <laughs> doesn't know how to rate stuff. We should write for IGN and fix it up. But number seven is going to be Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man. I can do it in two weeks. We only wish you could do it in 20 years. I can see it's going to be a long night. I had like no idea what to expect from this movie. And with me like raving about the gentleman and getting pissed on how I IGN gave it a four out of ten and everyone's like rightfully called him out for being stupid. I did like the gentleman and now he's got another movie coming out this year. Oh yes he does, and I'm, I will probably see it because the rap. We should reveal it for the show because I do yeah. want to see it myself. Guy Ritchie, I'm now a Guy Ritchie fan, thanks to Wrath of Man. He had, did the impossible. He made Jason Statham show emotion. Because <laughs> I've never seen him show emotion before. Like, I did this for the first time. I do want to see this film. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, Wrath of Man is, like, it's not, like, the most deep. It's not deep, but I did, like, the themes of, like, you know, how far would you go for, like, revenge and everything? And, like, what would you really do? And I thought it was awesome. Everyone did a great job. Guy from Burn Notice is in it. Didn't realize that's in my second viewing of it. I was like, oh, <laughs> Burn Notice. My mom's like, yes, Burn. I'm like, what? But, yeah, it was awesome. Jason Statham was great. The direction was awesome. I love the style. Guy Ritchie has that certain style of those movies. And it was just, Wrath of just good. I really, I recommend you watch it. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, uh, yeah. Oh, wait. I was uh, re-watching, not re-watching, but, you know, I was watching, you know, my favorite YouTubers, and one of them was the Double Toast Guys, and I won't say who, but one of them put it on their worst film year list. Now you see now, you know, fucked up, you know, that don't you? Well, they're idiots. Double Toast has been relevant since 2009. Oh, no! I was joking. No, no, I like Double Toast. No, no, that's, I will. Double Toasted here. We love you guys. Piss off. I was joking. We love you. I never actually, <laughs> actually technically, I never watched a Double Toast. Really? You should. Yeah. They're great. I love them. Um, but my number uh, six is going to be Nobody. <gasps> yes! So, yes, I did love Nobody. It is probably the best action film of last year. And it's a good holdover because John Wick got delayed again, which pissed me off. But 
Yeah, I'm. I loved it. Bob Odenkirk, uh, as a kid, as he quoted in Breaking Bad, that's what the kids called epic fail. That's what the kids call epic fail. Uh, you didn't launder your money, so it was good to make all the better calls. Saw Joe, saw watching this movie, but it was fun. He's he was certified. He certified himself as an action star. Even RZA, I didn't expect to see RZA here, and I know RZA. Oh like, yeah, he was in this, and I was like, "What are you doing here?" RZA's like, like he was awesome. RZA is like the most active. He's like the most like ta- I would say, yeah, he's more like involved with the movie stuff, and he's not a bad actor. I will say, there's some movies he does. I'm like, yeah, but he does give a hundred ten percent, hundred ten percent. So he, you know, he cares about what he's doing, and I actually appreciate that. But yeah, it was fun. Christopher Lloyd as the old man was good, but every time we talk, I just heard Hacker, and it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> I do like him, though, in this movie. I, like I said, I do like him in that. And then the scene, it does set itself up for scene. I will say the only negative I had was the villain was kind of one-dimensional. Like, oh, evil Russian. I really liked the villain for it, because I knew what the film was, and I was like, okay, I can really buy into this villain. But then mm-hmm. knowing the fact there's others, like... Uh, Bob Odenkirk's character. I was like, oh, we could yeah, get Yeah, but I, I can't wait to see what they'll do for a sequel and like if we ever get that John Wick. And actually, another fun fact, did you know Tobey Maguire produced this movie? He helped produce it. Now dig on this. That's actually really awesome. Yeah, that I did not know. He has a production company and uh, yeah. That I knew. I knew Tobey Maguire is a production company. I did not know he was one of the producers of it. But go Yeah, because even on, in the opening scene, you see like only credits are like, oh, it's Tobey Maguire. Yeah, yeah, Spider-Man. I probably didn't even notice it. <laughs> oh, do you know what I have? What? Um, I got, I was able to get my hands on, like, a replica of the bracelet that the daughter has, the kitty cat bracelet. How did you do that while I plug in my laptop? Tell the story, please. Um, Cinemark. Really? Yeah, I, like, was like, hey, I really, you know, I go to the theater a lot. And I was hoping if I can get one of the bracelets. And they were like, they, like it was like, you know, you redeem, redeem points. And, you know, you can, like, redeem it for, like, a prize or something like that. And I do have it. And it's really cute. Yes, yeah, send little me a picture of that. So, what? Yes, yeah, send me a picture of that. That's yeah, I'll, I definitely, I remember posting it on my Instagram. But I will definitely show you. So, uh, it's one of my favorite items. Because I thought that was really Aww. cool. You know, just to get, like, a replica of it. Like, they were, like, giving it out. I think they were giving out if you saw the movie or something like that. I don't even remember. But I was, like, I really want one because I thought it was really cute. So my number five is you, I want you to take a guess. What do you think my number five is? Knowing me. You've known me for, yeah, I think you've known me for almost two years now. What do you think my number five is? Let's take a little look. Hmm. You want a hit? Yes. It came out in December. So it was one of the last movies I saw of the year. Oh, so Spider-Man, no man, no way home. Oh, no, 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 no. The no. King's Man. Yes, the King's Man is my. You are five one movie. of the only people who put this on their like. Top I, I kind of like. I know people were like, um, God. I know people were like, oh, this doesn't feel like. Oh, well, okay. I thought that too, but then whenever me and my dad go to the movies, I have like a long philosophical like session and talking with my dad. We always like, oh, and we came to the conclusion that. This movie, if you're not a Kingsman like fan, like you've seen both movies and you're just casually watching them, and you go see this one thinking you're gonna get the same, like thinking what you've seen clips of from the first two movies, you're gonna be like disappointed because this is a very more like serious of the three movies because the first two movies had like comedy and like they were like that black comedy like 
action sequence. We're still there's still some sequences of this, but it uses the backdrop of World War One, which is maybe one of the most bloodiest conflicts in human history. And it tells, I think, it tells a good story about how Kingsman was formed because in the first movie they're like, oh, you know, they there was the World War One, it was formed. Like I liked seeing the formation of the Kingsman. The Kingsman Agency, refined but brutal. Civilized but merciless. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Come on. The King's Man. It's good, though. Yes, it really. Rated R. Tickets on sale now. That's awesome because I still have yet to see it. I didn't get to see it. I mm. was going to see it, but I just ended up not. It, it was just being a nightmare alley instead, and I wasn't very <laughs> impressed with what I saw with that. But uh, yeah, but the Kingsman is just fun. I know people. I wish Ras. Uh, I will say spoiler: Rasputin is not the main villain, but damn, he was awesome for his role. I was like, yes, it's awesome. More Rasputin, please. He's freaking menace to society, and I love it. But uh, Ralph, Ralph um, Finnis, who's the main star, he did a great job. For the lead role. How was Ray Fiennes in this? Ray Fiennes, which Ray Fiennes, Ray Fiennes. If I can remember correctly, who did he play? But oh yeah, he was right, dude. He was awesome as Rasputin. That's why I wanted more Rasputin. He was awesome. He was so like funny. Is like, what the hell is this? And then Dijimon Hensu is in it, I believe, right? Yes, and I think he was great because he. Oh well, that's kind of a spoiler, so I'm gonna say because you're gonna watch it. But hey, he was he was cool. Like everybody... he was in the trailers too, and he's also on the poster, so it's not so much of a spoiler. <laughs> no, I mean like the because the ending of the movie really does tie into be like the becoming of the Kingsman, and you see all of them going through the roles, and you see the characters in the previous movies are, and I it does kind of kick start life. Maybe can, this is film for Kingsman fans, so if you've seen the first two, you'll probably like this, like I did. But if you just come in randomly and just want to watch it, you may be bored from it. I will say there is a subplot in the movie about the 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 son of Ralph Finnis wants to go into World War One. It's so so annoying. It's like, why do you want to go and run off to war? What? And it was just dumb. But otherwise, I, I like the Kingsman. I know it got a lot of like flack, and people say it's like the. I still think. Golden Circle was the weakest Kingsman film. I put this, like, above that. So it goes Kingsman 1, the Kingsman, and Golden Circle. Okay. Well, as long as you like the newest one, that's what matters. Yeah. I can't believe I'm I'm the only one. I, I I do things controversial, but yet so brave. Why I put this in my top 10. Sweet. So, Kristen, your turn. Getting down to the nitty, nitty, gritty. Yes, we are, actually. I like that. Time flies when you're talking about great movies. So yeah. coming in at my number four is Sean Baker's latest film, Red Rocket. Okay, so I got to see this film at my local film festival that's out here in New Jersey, the Montclair Film Festival. And out of the movies I wanted to see that for that festival, this is the one I really wanted to see the most. It tells the story of Mike Saber, who's a washed-up porn star. He returns to his home, small hometown in Texas and nobody wants him back nobody wants him to return he's like a big shot he sees himself as a big shot but he's like failed in his career um and he's got great chemistry with pretty much everybody involved he goes back to live with his ex-wife who's played by brie elrod and then he also falls in love with a very very young girl oh, yeah. who 
he's she's like uh gonna turn like 18 so like when they meet she's like 17. why don't you have a seat right over there uh. of her character and uh she's played by Susanna's son and her character's named strawberry so it's very much still like in the porn name rootish route and mm-hmm. you know he she what simon rex sees is like okay because simon rex plays the lead character as mikey saber who's excellent in this film but he sees a lot of things what strawberry could do and at least it could help bring him back into the career he once had and you know he falls in love with her and uh she uh Susanna son really falls in love with her i especially love simon rex as someone who like you watched him in that show what i like about you with jenny garth and amanda Bynes when it was released back in the day i liked him for that but then he took a couple of not so great roles. Speaking that of which, mean? these uh, the scary movie movies. Oh no! Yeah, uh, but he really turned himself with around with this really great film that's a character study, and that really takes a look at these characters who aren't your average going characters. And uh, for someone who, like myself, who uh, you know who's enjoyed Sean Baker's work in the past, I was never like wowed by it but cinematography likewise i was always amazed by it mm-hmm. and the unique cast of characters he was able to get but this is a film i was pleasantly so pleased all the way through with the dark humor dark comedy the drama it gets really intense and it's an absolute joy ride i love the song of bye 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 but and sync that is used in the film and i like the fact that they had to get uh all the members of nsync to sign off to say that this was okay good good as you should because there's a scene that's absolutely hilarious that happens towards the end of the film and the song plays and i'm just like oh my god just imagine justin tipper like watching this scene and just seeing this craziness that happens in this one scene mac i highly recommend you see this because this is something i think you would really really dig it's outstanding i can't praise it enough it's such a wild journey and he's such the way that we go on the story with this anti-hero who we shouldn't be awarding and it gets like you in these moments where i was sitting in my seats i was like grabbing like making fists i was like oh no don't do that no 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 don't don't nah like i was like like you know like i was like cringing in my seat but in great ways possible because i was just like so and drawn in with this character it's pretty much like how i got to be with how the joker character was but you know who's not going to kill people (laughs) you know like how joker was here uh mikey uh like i said simon baker uh simon baker shot simon rex sells you know once he gets back into his hometown uh ends up selling drugs because he can't seem to find a job because he eventually has to tell people oh yeah i worked in the porn industry that's why i had this different career for 17 years of my life you know yeah it's it gets a wild crazy story unlike anything i've seen for a sean baker film um he actually shot this during the pandemic with a 12 person crew and the way how this film is really is intimately i loved how everything was done i'm i i can't praise this movie enough just how visually like i was just was it was just a unique original story and it's such a crazy film and uh 
been rooting for this film for a while. I hope Simon Rex gets a Oscar nomination. I don't think he'll win, unfortunately, but I would love to see him nominate because it's just it's like one of those actors where you don't see it coming mm-hmm. to be nominated. And I, I it's I just hope this brings him more great work because he really actually is talented. Unfortunately, the work that he was given over the years, he wasn't it didn't show like his true great talents. This really does show what he can do. So he's trying to make it up for pretty much. Yeah, and get this too. I didn't really know about this because I've been ever since I seen it, I've just been so drawn in with the this world of Simon Rex and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I knew he was a DJ, but not to the greatest set. Like he's really into online culture. Like he's up with the times and everything. It's really he's a really a fascinating guy. So if you really want to get to know more of Simon Rex, go check him out on, online. He's a unique character and. Uh, just I'm a fan now of uh, Simon Rex. <laughs> Didn't expect to, but uh, yeah, go see. Really go see Red Rocket. This is a great, really independent film. I, I can't praise it enough. And then coming in at number three is a film that didn't surprise me. That was going to be in my top ten of the year. But we talked about it in our last episode. Uh, it was Spider-Man No Way Home. That's number three for you. Wow, I'm shocked. Peter, Peter, Peter. No good deed goes unpunished. in movie theaters. Yeah, well, my, it was hard for me to place this one in my, like, number one or number two because uh, number two, one and number two are very different films. Mm-hmm. Um, for number three, it was Spider-Man No Way Home. Of course I was going to include a superhero film. Was that, you know me. I love my superhero movies. Love them, love them, love them, love them. Love them, love them, love them. So, uh, but, you know, the way how cra- the craziness for 2021 was with, you know, the delays of all the Marvel projects and... Marvel definitely proved to have delivered in 2021 between all the television shows. I think they were the strongest out of everything we've seen, like theatrically, you know, between, you know, uh, the disappointment of like, you know, and how the mixed bag was for Black Widow and Eternals. Shang-Chi was still great. Like, I really enjoyed that film a lot. Spider-Man Way Home was like the top tier, you know, that they were going bananas making this like the top film of the year they're already campaigning it for oscar stuff like what we talked about um and it's pretty much i'm gonna pretty much say the same thing you know what i what we talked about in the our spoiler review discussion of it where how much you know i love the performances it's outstanding how it explores the multiverse and just the madness of what it is and what the future holds for tom holland and uh, yeah and it's just great i mean it's what I go to the movies for. It shows my love for Spider-Man. And then seeing that scene, you know, that still happens, which I'm not going to spoil it. We, we did talk about, we did spoil it when we did do our just spoiler discussion. Uh, yeah, it's outstanding. Can't go wrong with Spider-Man No Way Home. John Watts always delivers. No, so, he's doing Final uh, Destination and Fantastic Four. Yeah, we're going to have hopefully some more great um, movies from him. So, uh, and if you haven't seen Cough Car, go see Cough Car. So uh, coming in at number two for me is actually another film I've seen quite a number, a few times over the year of 2021, which is probably a film I was not expecting to be this high for an animated film from my watch, like, top ten. And it's a film called Mitchell's versus the Machines. Cancel your plane ticket to college. You what? We are going to drive cross-country as a family. Mom? We love his initiative. Right? Uh Every kid leaves home. It's not the end of the world. What the? It's the robot apocalypse. 
Were the last people left? Katie, we're gonna get through this together. I love that. <laughs> Who knew you could handle yourself so well in the apocalypse? I'm a first grade teacher. This is like a normal day for me. The Mitchells versus the Machines, rated PG. And I love oh, that it. one. Yeah. Actually, can I tell tell a fun story with that? Please, I'm allowed to hear your fun story. So, oh, cast your mind back to the year of 2020. A young Mac in, who was turning 21 that year, he was in his communication class, and this was the last trailer he watched while in-person class was still going on for college. And he was on Facebook, and he saw this new trailer for this movie, and he said, and I quote, that looks okay, on Facebook, and I didn't think anything of it. And then I remember my, te- my professor said, we may not come back after spring break. That was two years ago. And I didn't go back to campus until... 2021 to get my cap and gown and then last year i was like wait a minute i saw the the movie coming out on netflix and i thought was that the movie i saw a trailer for almost a year ago and yeah that's my experience with mitchell's in the machine i was very very surprised with this how this film turned out i and this actually comes from the minds from uh phil lord and christopher and miller chris who miller. are and you know uh did i still christopher lloyd <laughs> said phil lord and christopher miller brilliance Behind, they, I actually really enjoy the Lord and Christopher Miller. They actually uh, play a big part in my life, which I had to actually will discuss down the road how much they mean to me. Um, but not right now. That it gets very sentimental with them. But what they did with Spider-Man No Way Home, if you, um, not Spider-Man No Way Home, we just talked about that. Uh, Spider the Spider Verse, uh, you know Miles Morales film. What they did with that, it's pretty much what they brought the energy from like cladding with the chance of meatballs and oh, bringing that, that here true. and bringing it on to a new, brand new director. It's outsta- yeah. it's outstanding with the animation and it's just a film lover's like unexpected journey of a ride of craziness and just adventure of a family story of a girl who wants to study film. Her family, she doesn't think her family understands her that much. So she goes to film school. She's supposed to get on a flight, but they end up taking a road trip and it becomes a battle with technology in this day and age of technology. So it's humans versus technology. And there's a lot of great humor. And you can tell where there's like that sprinkle in a Phil Lord and Christopher uh, Miller in it. And it's great all the way through. I love all the characters. And um, I hope this film gets also some nomination love for the Oscars this year. I didn't get nominated for Golden Globe, which it should have. I was very disappointed. Um, but again, it's a risky film, how like you know how it is with its story and its animation. But uh, I just like how dorky it also is because it just <laughs> feels like it also encompasses me as a person. I'm just like how it is with. You know my how my mind runs wild a couple times and how adventurous like it's it's basically goes into a film person's mind. <laughs> it's how radioactive it can be sometimes. Hey, uh... Imagination, and it's great. I love it. And um, the performances, especially from Danny McBride, are so funny. And Maya Rudolph as the two parents. Oh my gosh, so yeah, Danny McBride has had like sort of a renaissance the past. He is. I'm surprised what he's been doing over the last few years, but this is definitely like one of the top, my top favorites he's ever done. Like I really also like him, and this is uh, this is the end. I loved and I hate him because that movie I I think that movie sucks and does not hold up still. But what? I, I think that movie sucks. I love that movie. We gotta revisit that movie for a show. Like I did, and I didn't like it. I liked it when I was 13 year old. It was like. <laughs> Uh, pee pee and sex show, but now I'm like, eh. I gotta go back. I still ha- I have the Blu-ray, 
Like, that's one of the films I wanted to add in my collection. So I do have it still. Well, actually, I'm going to always have it. I, I'm never going to give away certain okay. Blu-rays. But yeah, uh, number two is The Mitchells vs. The Machines. Um, my number four. I want you to take a guess of what my number four is. I need another hint. Uh, it is a movie that was one of the big players in 2021. Is it Spider-Man No Way Home? Hell no. It's Godzilla versus Kong. Big Monkey versus. Big oh Monkey. my gosh. I'm not surprised. Actually, from remember seeing your video, I remember this film was on your list. I just forgot what number it was. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla versus Kong. Monkey versus Lizard. Who was going to win? I was Team Kong. And Kong got his ass kicked. They made up with Mega Godzilla, freaking rocked Godzilla. But yeah, Godzilla vs. Kong was definitely a film that jump started the 2021 box office. It was like, who would have thought that a movie about two monsters fighting would relight the box office? Do you know what it reminds me of? You know that game where you where it's got the red boxer and the blue boxer and that boxing Rock ring? That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> Well, you know, Vin Diesel's making, he's making a rock and soccer movie. Yeah, which I'm not surprised. <laughs> but yeah, this was a fun movie. I love um, Kong Skull Island. The first Godzilla was okay. King of the Monsters, I think it's terrible. But this movie, um, I think it was just awesome. It was, it wasn't like an in-depth, like dramatic look of like two monsters fighting in a repercussion. It's just monster fight. This is the fight people wanted to see. And it was literally... A fight on social media like you're either team kong you're team godzilla but you know some of the story elements felt weak because you know human characters you kind of like eh, it's a little boring and some characters didn't really need it but it was fun i i ended up watching the movie like three times three times at home because we did a watch along with aj yes and then i saw it again at home and i saw it again with a friend on hbo max and then i saw it in imax with my dad so that's the Probably the most amount of time I saw a movie. Like I didn't get to see it in theaters because I saw a couple of other things at the time of this film's release. Um, so I figured if it was on HBO Max, I'll watch it there. Because I just didn't really have an interest to see it in theaters, given uh, how impressed I was with, you know, all the Osterverse films were. Mm. So I, all of all the times I watched it, it was on HBO Max. And then I eventually got it on Blu-ray and DVD. So I and I still have yet to rewatch it. I do want to just like rewatch it just for the fight. Yeah, and just you know, I just will to say, tune out my brain, you know, just to tune out and just watch it for how it is. The IMAX is like when you see it in IMAX because like I, the first time I watched it was at home and HBO Max. I was like, that oh, was good. When I saw it in IMAX, that thing was beautiful. Seeing the monkey fight lizard. That's how I felt when when I went to go see Dune. It was so different, like seeing the Dune screen in IMAX. It was. It's a gorgeous film, and I could see that yeah. with, uh, you know, for something like Godzilla versus Kong. The only thing about it was that the human characters I didn't care about, especially Millie Bobby Brown. They kind of just put her in. I there just don't. Just like, I don't. She was just like, "Hey, look at her. She's is Millie Bobby Brown. Nothing to do." The I was, human. Oh, sorry. No, I was thinking. Finish your thought, and then I was gonna add, oh, say yeah. something else. The human characters were kind of just there to get. Kong and Godzilla to point A to point B for each fight. And I kind of wish they didn't spoil Mecha Godzilla in the trailer. Like, I kind of wish that was like a surprise for like the fans of old like um, movies and everything. And uh, yeah, but besides those two elements, I think the movie was just really fun. It was a fun kickoff to the summer movie season and probably the most fun I had. In March. In March, yeah. And it kicked it <laughs> off. It's, it's, you it's, say it's summer, freaking... I'm like, in March, it's spring. 
That's why it was so. It was on the box office. So there was really no other movies that competed with it until like the summer. Number three. Let me double check what it was. I forgot. Come ahead. My number three has to be the. Okay, so Kristen, last year for me was many a first. I had my first girlfriend. Yes. Had my first kiss. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I and I gave musicals a shot, and at number three, I put in the heights. And the Heights is a story very close to my heart about a neighborhood I've lived in all my life. Let me just listen to that block. Every corner is like a mixtape. From the George Washington Bridge and J. Hood Wright Park, it's very emotional. Our best decision we ever made was shooting this in Washington Heights. There's nothing more gratifying than writing songs about a city you love so much and then getting to see it all up on screen. This is a block! Number three. So here's the thing. Lynn Manuel Miranda, I have my thoughts about him. I think he may be a little pretentious, but that's just me. Uh, the man does know how to write music so for um, his works, and I do respect that. I still think Hamilton's overrated. It's not that good. I know people are like, they will die and help him. Like, Hamilton's overrated. And not such. It's just boring. But um, when I heard about In the Heights, I did remember I watched the production of it at my college, community college, a few years back. And um, that was like the last play I saw in person. That was like three years ago, I think. Okay. And I knew it. And I was like, you know, okay. And then I think you mentioned like, oh, he's going to do In the Heights. I was like, In the Heights. I'm like, oh, is that his creation? And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to see you in the theaters. I watched it on HBO Max. I watched it. And I got a lot. I, I messed with it. I, I kind of liked it. The music was cool. The main guy, even though his personal life might be a little watery, but he was cool in the role. I liked Everyone was cool. The sometimes the music was the music was bumping, especially uh, the Abuela um, goodbye song made me cry when I was at work one time. Oh yeah, that song was uh, something else. I I think the best song in the musical, the way it was filmed, I think the best was ninety six thousand though. I did like that one. I think that was the one that stood out the most though. I I liked it. It was. For me, it was more vibrant and colorful than Hamilton. And people were like, oh, this isn't as good as Hamilton. I'm like, it's actually better. This is improvement. Mm-hmm. So I, I dug in the heights because it was very, I will say um, the uh, controversy, you remember the controversy around this movie? Yes. You want to remind the viewers, uh, listeners what that controversy was? It was like where musicals couldn't say the box office and then just because of the talent that was involved, wasn't it? It was like something like that. Oh, no, I was talking about the one where they didn't have a lot of uh, darker colored teenagers. Oh, that other problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there was that, not one, but two problems. Yeah, so that was the first problem. The second one is that in multiple scenes in the movies, when they're doing, like, that big group, like, song number, if you mm-hmm. look closely, there are, like, multiple actors that are duplicated. Like, they're, like, copy-pasted. And a lot of people said, why couldn't you get, like, darker colored, like, Latinos? Because there are those types of... Right. People end up, but he's like, oh, well, I you forgot know. about that part of the controversy for it. <laughs> and then, man, well, he kind of threw the director under the bus for that. And I was like, wow, that's an asshole. John Chu. Yeah, John he, Chu. He, he threw him over the bus. I'm like, well, you wrote the play. you you And you were in the movie as a freaking um, icy dealer. Just, he had no just, point to be in the movie. I was just like, what's the point? Yeah, no. like, <laughs> you have creative control put yourself in the movie. How come you couldn't just get... Yeah, that was the other controversy with it. So that, that didn't help it a lot. But the only reason it underperformed about... Because no one... like Not a lot of people know about this play. This is kind of one of the... 
how you say Broadway nerd plays that like you have to really be in the Broadway to get it to like to see it. I remember when we were talking about this, what movie files when he came on to discuss this. I I think I said that there was somebody I was sitting here and they were like mouthing the words. So like I I didn't know anything about it going in. I yeah, just so, got free tickets to see it and uh, just thought it was good. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a fun summer musical movie and I liked it better than Hamilton. That's it. But my number two two is going to be Spider-Man New Young. I know a lot of people I actually got a lot of messages saying or comments and messages saying they were surprised I put um Spider-Man Noel number two because I figured I was gonna be number one on a lot of people's list. Yeah. But not for me because I, I mentioned in my review that I always thought there was a few problems with the movie. Um it, the pacing was a little slow. They could have cut off some of the subplots. It was a little bit cheesy at times, but overall it was like that's an example of giving the fans what they want and I loved it. Like seeing this type of movie in theaters is like this is a movie you have to see in theaters. You can't don't wait till DVD. Oh, a thousand percent. It's, you it's have hard. To, right? I think at this point, mostly a lot of people have seen it already, given the box office results of it. It's back on top. Back on top. But like I absolutely loved um Spider-Man No Way Home and just like I'm, it was just awesome. It's just like, and of course, if you already know, you know what the we're not gonna say it, but um, it was just cool just to see the theater react to those certain scenes, and it was just awesome. It's very much a theater going experience film, and uh, it's I just like it's a beautiful film all the way through. Yeah, and it's definitely the one. Um, <laughs> this is definitely the one Marvel movie that actually hit this year because. I knew when when they said Black Widow and Eternals and Shang Chi were coming out, no one would give a shit because it was just gonna be Spider Man all the way. Yeah, and and look at it, it's Marvel doesn't even have to release any other like superhero films. They could just release Spider Man, and people are just gonna see it. Yeah, but we're getting. I think the great part is about Spider Man. A lot of people can relate to him. Yeah, which is about him. And with this Spider-Man movie, we kind of see the mature growth of Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Like from the, when we saw him in Civil War, he was just this Civil War and Homecoming. He was just kind of like this um, optimistic, bright kid who just wanted to do the right thing and you know be like Iron Man. And then, Spider-Man yeah. has gone through some uh, stuff now. Yeah, and then Far From Home, he really had to like grow up because he lost pretty much his father figure, Uncle Ben and Tony Stark and Iron Man. And then this one, he really like shows like I have to be like the adult now. And it's like, gotta grow arc, up and be a man. Yeah, this arc is just awesome. And it's just probably one of the most anticipated Marvel movies and probably the one that has delivered the most this year. And the way that it sets up a lot of what's going to be happening with Phase Four, maybe beyond, it really like feels like this is a game changer for Marvel. And Marvel showed why they were the kings of the box office by the end of the year. I knew it was going to make that much. All right. So that was your number two? Yeah. So. Ones you've been all been waiting for are number one. The number one. We need some drum rolls, so make sure you put that in. <laughs> okay, even that, even that one, but even when you edit this, <laughs> we better get some drum rolls. Right. My number one. I've said this when I was recording some of my stiff pop of top five films, and uh, but for here, I said this like like I just said. We had a lot of musicals this past year, so oh, we okay. had uh, in the heights. Tick, tick, boom. Dear Evan Hansen, the one that made me go, mwah, chef's kiss. Send the kiss up into heaven. 
This is my first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. Bien linda, you look like mommy. You're not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? What are you doing under there with my sister? This is about family. He's a gangster. Gangster. Now you sound like a real American. <laughs> I love him. Tony, you don't have enough troubles. Run away with me. West Side Story, rated PG-13, only in theaters. It was the remake of West Side Story. Hey. What? What a beautiful, beautiful film. Oh my gosh. I can't even praise how much I adored this movie. This was a great, great, great musical from what they did was they changed some stuff around from what people loved about the original. I just liked the original. This made me love the film and the musical even more. Steven Spielberg really made it his own. I love what they did with the cast and crew of the characters and what it tells, with, especially with the story. Especially it speaks to more times now today, given uh, race and culture and everything. Ooh, excuse me, how it is. The performances are outstanding from Rachel Zegler to our Ariana DeBose, who we last uh, saw in The Prom, you know, when we got to speak with uh, Jackie. <laughs> she was the love interest in that. Uh. And... Uh, here she excels. Oh my gosh. She is, uh, she portrays uh, the character, the original character Rita Marino won her Oscar for, and it seems like she's actually going to win her Oscar again. She's already won her Golden Glove for her performance. She's already nominated for a SAG Award for her performance. And uh, it seems pretty strong that she might be, she's going to get nominated, but I think she will take home the award. So anybody who uh, can play that character, I love the Rachel Zegler character. I think she's a great up-and-coming actress. She's a queen. I love her voice. She's another girl from Jersey. So what up, Rachel Zegler? Another Jersey girl going out from Italy. Love ya. Excited to see what you're going to do with Shazam. It's Snow White. Ready for it. Is it Ansel Elgort in this movie? He is. Uh, you know, I just thought he was good. I thought he was fine. I mean, I could see, you know... It's so hard with the controversies of it. I was say, yeah. I suppose he's still getting you know, he's not getting, yeah. It's like, you know, with the controversies that he's faced, he does, he is actually really good in the film, which I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, putting that and what he did with the side, uh, I enjoyed his performance in that. His, his music is actually, his musical range and talent, I was very surprised, you know, um, he does have a song called Supernova, which I do really like. So I was like, okay, I was interested to see how he was going to play, you know, Tony and bring this musical range. Because I was like very hesitant at first because when I first saw him sing, it was a cover of City of Stars. And I was just like, oh, no, 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 no. Sounded tonal, flat. But here I was like, okay, you got some singing work done. But uh, really excelled here, but he doesn't even shine there. It's Rachel Zegler who's on, who shines along with uh, many of the other supporting characters like Mike Faced and, uh, uh, like I said, like Ariana DeBois. And Molly, would you move for a minute? She's sitting on my computer. <laughs> Molly so I can't even about, see the list is, of characters here. She just wants to show how much she loved them. Um... West Side Story. Can, you, can yeah. I just show you how much I also loved West Side Story? But yes, uh, 
David Alvarez, um, like I said, Michael Feist, Brian Day, R.C. James, and Corey Stroll actually throws up in this film as Lieutenant uh, uh, Shark Shank. I, I can't even say the name. That's how bad I am. And um, but uh, yeah, it's a beautiful film. Great direction. And I think this is probably Steven's best direction that he's ever taken a film in a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And this is probably my favorite film of his that he's ever worked on probably since war horse you know like i wasn't pleased with bridge of spies i thought it was average and i didn't even bother with the post and you know everything that he released over the last few years this is definitely something that he definitely surprised me with and i was so blown away and this is definitely like my top like even top five projects that he's ever worked on yeah it's it's a really stunning film, and uh, I highly recommend people to check it out. It's it's an outstanding film. It really, really is. Favorite film? It's probably one of the best musicals I've seen since uh, La La Land, and I'm a huge La La Land fan. Like anybody who knows me knows how I'm obsessed with La La Land, and this is it's coming in as a close second. What's your number one? All right, before I get my number one here, my honorable mentions. My honorable mentions are A Quiet Place Part 2, Odds Gone Wrong, The Suicide Squad, Surprisingly Furious 9 because it's so dumb but funny, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Wait, I think you're the only person who honored Fast 9 as a top movie of the Because it's so funny. It was funny, but it was fun. Is it like bad movie? Garbage bad? I wouldn't say it's terrible, but it was just like, it was just, it was just like, it was entertaining. Because I knew the, you know what to expect with a Fast Furious movie. Dan, uh, and the trio, last one is, what is it? We're family. I, I don't yeah. even know anymore. Don't even want to know anymore. Honor, and uh, last one was just Many Saints of Newark. So, number one, which was a surprise to everyone, I'm going to sing the chorus for this film's uh, main song, which won an Oscar by the artist known as her. So, my number one is Judas and the Black Messiah. This movie is just Fantastic. I uh, figured. Did, did you yeah, watch this in the Black Messiah? I did. I got to see this at Sundance when uh, it's in 2021 when I got uh, went to go see it. I, I, what did you think of it? Oh, I thought that was great. I, I really had loved, no idea. And I, I, like I told you, I loved the little performance from Daniel Kaluuya. I was very happy he won the Oscar. And uh, this is like one of the roles that really made me say, okay, Lakeith, you're getting better in these roles. And uh when I went to even see him in uh, The Harder They Fall, he proves to be just as great of an actor. Yeah. Like, this movie, I had, like, no expectations for. But when I watched it, I actually, surprisingly, watched this on HBO Max at 3 a.m. when it first dropped. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was just in my, like, living room, and I was, like, watching. I was getting in. As more as, like, it got went through, I was getting, like, laying down to, like, like slouching forward. Like, whoa, 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 what's going on? It was awesome. Like Daniel was awesome. Lakeith is good. Jesse Plemons is like, whoa, you're actually that is a good performance. You gotta see him in Power of the Dog. That's he's also really great in that too. He was also in Game Night. He was in Game Night, but that was released in 2019 or 18, whatever. Yeah, 18. Um, yeah, 18. 18, yeah. But yeah, Juice and I love like history movies, like movies based on actual events. And doing the research for this, you're like, whoa, I had no idea what's happened. I like to read about history. So reading about this was fresh, new with a sad story. And 
They even have that new documentary out on HBO about uh, the death of Fred Hampton, which is this movie is based upon the assassination of Fred Hampton. It was just amazing. I love this movie. And every time someone's like, what's your favorite movie of the year? I see Jesus in Black Messiah. They're like, what? What is that movie? I say, oh, you got to watch it. It's a slow yeah. burn type movie, but I really feel like it pays off, especially the soundtrack, especially the Fight for You by her. That is probably like my favorite song of the year. It's like, I think it's one of my, my most streamed songs of the year on Spotify. Oh, wow. Because that cool. the song is so like the melody and the, the flow of it, and I think she's only twenty three. She won a Grammy and an Oscar. I was very very pleased with everything what this film had to say, and especially uh, it's big messaging, and you know, it's sad. It's a sad story too overall, yeah. and you get a lot I, from it. I definitely say check this one out, and then watch that documentary about uh, Fred Hampton. Actually, I didn't get. To, I watched half of it, and I was really. And then I read, like, read about the events of his life and then read about the guy that, like, Keith Sample played because you're like, it's like, yeah, but Jews Go Black Messiah is better than Spider Man No Way Home in my Yeah, I think when we both pick our movies of the year, we always like to pick something that speaks to us where that might be the messaging and the performances. You know, as much as we love going for the fun of it and where we pick the fun of our movies, how much we get ex- from escapism from them. I think we both pick out films that stand off, you know, like I just said, what the performance is, cinematography, whether it be sound, or just how we just were able to take away what the director wanted to say. So, uh, big movies for 2021. Uh, but now we are in 2022. And I would like to say, I've already seen two films that I hope they're going to be in my top 10 still. Have yeah. I seen a movie this year? Oh, I saw Scream. Yeah. So. You did see Scream. We're going to talk about yeah. that in our next episode. We, uh, yes, we're going to bring on a special guest. And we got some plenty of other uh, new episodes coming up for you guys. We're going to be talking Scream. We're going to be doing a uh, special episode where we, Mac and I both had to pick the movies for each other to watch. And then we both have to review them. Okay. <laughs> so find yeah. out uh, next episode what uh, movie I have to watch. And... What Mac has to watch. Right, and then I we'll be talking remember. Chainsaw Massacre along with Uncharted. And... Madea. I'm joking now. We're not talking. No, we won't be discussing I'll Madea. I'll do that by myself. Or maybe we'll, we will talk Medea. Who knows? We'll talk some Batman. You know, we got some good episodes coming up for you all in the year 2022. So uh, please t- stick around. Yep, and, uh, and we gave a shout out to the Patreon people in the beginning of the episode so thank you again for donating to the patreon for the month of february uh link in the description it's only a dollar a month to help support us maybe we can move over to zoom because skype yeah we're uh we might have to move away from skype how we uh interview each other and have our conversations and record our show yeah but um uh, yeah so that's gonna do it for this uh episode i want to thank everyone for listening and taking the time out and uh yeah, everyone have a good rest of your night. Day Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at yep, Instagram, King Productions Twitter. Podcast and all both of us at uh, on Twitter and Instagram. They should be and, in the link in the description on YouTube. Yeah. And, and, then tic- in, and then TikTok soon, right? Because you're going to be doing a TikTok page. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Uh, <laughs> I refuse to download TikTok, so I let that duty go to Christmas. She's more yeah, so we'll have to add that to the other things I need to do. <laughs> uh, but um, I thank you all for listening and have a great night. Bye. Bye. Happy 22. I'm
hanging up and calling me right back. Hey, baby, why you calling me like that? Yeah. Getting high with the seat, lay back. Baby, gon' relax, yeah. Hey, they don't know the half, yeah. No matter what happened, I got your back. Baby, that's the facts, yeah. That's the facts, yeah. Hey. 